We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey yo everybody, what's up? It's me, Joe Pizapia, and this is the Rotowire DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel. Welcome back, everybody. It was uh, an interesting week four. Some upsets, some some rebirths, some resurrections of people we left for dead, and also some guys that might be dead to us the rest of the year. So it was a mixed bag, and I can't think of anybody better to sort out that bag with than my other Joe, the other Joe. But no lesser Joe. Again, I want to emphasize that every week. <laughs> Joe Bartel, Joey B, what's happening, man? The other Joe. That's that's still. I, I'm fine with that. You can keep rolling with that every time. I, it's kind of sexy. Great. It's like the other woman, you know. Oh, well, I don't know about that. I think you're giving me a little bit too much credit there. But sure, I, whatever boosts my credit a little bit more. I'll what think. are you wearing right now while we do the podcast? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> moving on. I'm moving on. <laughs> don't don't play coy with me, Bartel. Don't you dare. All right, so how was your week four in DFS? Mine was pretty good. I wish it was better on the FanDuel side. I was telling you before we started here, I had uh, Cook in a couple lineups. Unfortunately, that did not work out for me, but my cash game lineups there were good. DK was a good weekend for sure, but how about you? Did you sustain through the injuries and some of the issues of quarterbacks and running backs in week four? Well, the problem was I went with all of your Johnny McKexa gut calls on Friday, like Travis Benjamin, like Joe Mixon, and, uh, well, that, that flamed out for me. So unsuccessful week this week, but I'm ready to get back into the grind already. Oh, well, don't I'm worry. I'm right there with you, Chief. Friday. I had Mixon and Cook in the same lineup. That's the one that flamed out. So don't worry. It's, it's all good. I went down with that ship. I am a man who walks the walk. If I talk the talk, I'm going to be there. I'm right there with you all, so don't worry. Uh, but some of the things were good, uh, some of them not so good. But let's let's get to it and let's talk about some of the great. Ben. And let's start with Deshaun Watson, who is a guy that – it's funny. I think he was on the radar in the beginning of the week, and then I think everybody just kind of laid off because nobody knew exactly what to make. And then they go up and they throw 57 against Tennessee in Houston. Are we looking now that now we're going to have a window with Watson where we can look at him and go, all right, there's opportunity here for the next – you know, a couple weeks here for him to maybe be a low end 
QB that we can go to in tournaments potentially until salary catches up with him? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so next week he faces the Chiefs, and then the week after that's the Browns and then Seahawks again. So I'm not really confident using him against the Chiefs despite what we saw with the Titans. That Browns matchup, sure, but I bet you he'll be priced accordingly just based off of how bad the Browns have been this season. So it's a matter of, well, risk-reward, obviously, and I think that the floor that he gives you with the rushing is fantastic. But at the same time, I wonder if he's going to be overcorrected at this point based off of this huge performance on Sunday. I'm going to take a guess here that because the Chiefs game next week will be all right, like pricing-wise, that depending on how he comes out of that one, he might be surprisingly low. I'm going to, it's, it's a bold prediction. I think he might be surprisingly low on that totem pole. And we've got some other injuries to worry about, too. We've got Mariota dealing with a hamstring. We're not sure he's going for MRI. I'm calling this MRI Monday because yeah. everybody's going for an MRI. I, I've already you know, joked about that today. We'll continue to joke about it through the podcast, but you've got – Mariota now the hamstring, so we're potentially downgrading all the receivers over there. Uh, we already had Davis hurt anyway. And then on the other side with Derek Carr, an offense that was already missing Crabtree, and now if Carr's going to be having back issues that might linger, as they're talking about now, I don't know about you, but the prospect of making any investment where Derek Carr could turn into EJ Manuel, that is the worst Halloween costume trade-off trick I've ever seen. Oh, God, yeah. That's an elaborate costume, too, given everything uh, that goes with that. But, yeah, I, I would have to agree with you. I'm not so much scared off with the Raiders receivers with E.J. Manuel in there. And I'm sure we'll get to it a little bit later, um, especially when it comes to season-long leagues. But in DFS, you're right, there are, there are options gone. But that's why we have the rebirth of Cam Newton. He's back, everyone. It's, it's okay. We can just use him every week now. Yeah, right. Oh, God. You know, there's a frustrating spot for you. And, look, let's talk about those that Patriot defense because it's bad. It is bad, bad, bad. And, you know, Hightower, I know, is a big loss, but it shouldn't be a loss where you're giving up massive points everywhere. And, you know, last week they gave – or two weeks ago, I should say now, they gave up a, a fair amount of points that, you know, nobody saw coming to the Texans. Then before that it was New Orleans. And now it's the Carolina Panthers offense who looked basically dead last week against the New Orleans Saints where everybody thought it was a gimme play. And we were kind of cautious about it, but kind of cautiously optimistic. But, look, Newton looked like he had zip on the ball for the first time in a while. That's a positive. If Newton's going to get back into the good graces and we're going to feel good about using him, I'll tell you what, the algorithm feels good because it's 7,800 next week against the Lions for him. So you're going to have to pay already. There's no more freebies. There's no more discounts. you got the 34 points from Newton, uh, and it's time to move along. Now, you got Brady with a big game as well. I mean, despite the – defensive struggles the offense continues to score points on there uh on the quarterback side too who else stuck out for you who was another play where you looked at and you went you know I, it's funny the other cash lineup i was talking about is the one that had stafford in it which okay but russell wilson now back-to-back you know 29 plus point games for him is R- russell wilson back as well now him and cam newton yeah and it felt like a little bit of junk time statistics for russell wilson but at the same time i don't know if i really felt like he was gone Whereas Cam Newton, I've been I've been digging his grave now since week one of the the regular season, and I'm I'm still prepared to bury him on that. I, I think this was more of an aberration um, in terms of his performance. I wonder, and I was going to pose this question to you: Is the Patriots' defense, being a fan, and I'm going to make you be objective about this, is the Patriots' defense the worst defense in the NFL? Is it worse than the New Orleans Saints' defense? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's worse right now. Now, whether or not they can scheme or figure it out or, you know, I understand when you lose a high tower, you lose a signal caller on the field, that that's a huge deal. We've seen a lot of defenses lose that kind of guy over the years, and, uh, you know, defenses suffer when that happens. However, 
yeah, I think they are. And, and it's exasperated by the fact that the offense is so efficient, right? Because the offense can go on there and score so quickly and make things happen that now the defense is back on the field, which is not what you want. And what they're missing, which I think hid some of the holes in the defense last year, is that LeGarrette Blunt kind of style running game where they would grind out a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, the grind factor of that team that made them successful last year that kept the offense on the field a little bit longer sometimes and maybe, you know, just kind of took a little time, ate a little clock, that's gone. So New England's uh, – look, it's coming up already with the Buccaneers on Thursday night. We're going to get to that game later on in the show. I'm all about, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and that offense because they don't have a solution to Mike Evans. They don't have a solution to a lot of things that uh, Winston and company has. So – and we'll talk about that Monday, Thursday, say later on. Uh, some disappointing quarterbacks. I mean, look, I, I think that we all know that Jay Cutler is disappointing. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. That's certainly yes. one that was out there. Um, i trying to think who else, too, in terms of disappointing. Is there anybody else that kind of let you down? I mean, you had to know Derek Carr was going to be bad. His stats against Denver were always bad. But it was another guy there for you, too, who just was kind of a letdown. Was it Bortles coming off the big game where you expected, well, it's the Jets, and now the Jets have two wins and the Giants have zero? Yeah, that was kind of one that I was looking at. Just because, I mean, we knew a lot of the trap ones. So, like, Big Ben would be normally one, but, again, he was away, so – you mentioned it earlier. He, he's dead to you every time he's away. Um, and that's kind of a theme I would say across fantasy. I don't think anyone's really surprised by that performance anymore. Um, so Blake Bortles kind of is the name that comes out. Maybe, maybe in Matthew Stafford, just because that game was fluky as a whole with the lines. I thought that the Vikings defense is pretty good, but Stafford tends to get, to get his numbers regardless. So the fact that he was unable to throw for, well, I think he only threw one touchdown. That's a bit of a surprise to me. Um, but yeah, really there. It was more about the surprising performances, even like a guy like Andy Dalton. We didn't even touch on him. Four touchdowns, uh, a little under 300 yards passing. That, it, was, it was a weird day for quarterbacks when it seemed like we only wanted to go Tom Brady and everything else you kind of had you hold your nose over. Yeah, and you did. And if you had Dalton, if you had Watson, uh, things went well. And that's why I always preach that the, the middle of that board is so dangerous. You know, it's the, it's the $7,800 guy, the 8K guy that'll kill you. Because, you know, you might as well just go all the way up to the platform of a Brady who's, you know, going to deliver for you or Breeze or Rogers most days or go down to the other guys we're talking about and try to play the matchups. Tyrod Taylor, too, another surprising one uh, to go in there against Atlanta, an offense that looked terrible uh, in the preseason. Not that he's putting up huge stats, but, you know, that was a tough, gritty win for them overall. Not a great fantasy day for him, but... If they can build on that confidence, I think Taylor's another guy that if you want to – look, he was one of the best DFS quarterbacks the last two years, Tyrod Taylor. And it's very quietly he's that because he uses his legs, because he's that kind of QB. And I know I'd like to see him get back into that range because he was one of my favorite cheaper quarterbacks to use. And if he can get back to being safe enough, being a 14 to 18 kind of point guy consistently – at around 7K, that's going to be good enough. All right, let's talk about the running backs here. Lev Bell, last week uh, on the podcast, uh, we had uh, – actually, I think that was the bonus question, whether or not Lev Bell will go over 20 points. John McKechnie said no. I said yes. I was right. I just want to point that he out. Changed, he changed that vote on Twitter. When, he uh, did. He changed the vote on uh, Twitter. Don't, but, don't try to shortchange my boy. I saw um, that. I'm, I'm shortchanging him right now. I, he, that, and I know he's going to listen, which is why I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he not only well, he obliterated twenty, he went up to thirty-two, and that was just coming. You know, you could see that coming. He's starting to ramp up, which is a positive thing for him. Ezekiel Elliott had a good day. Todd Gurley, though, is the one I want to talk about because on a day where some running backs had to leave, Gurley was a guy that now 
we're talking about a number one running back here, and we're talking about a running back who's playing, you know, elite level stats. We're talking about 25 to 30 points every week now for the last three weeks. In terms of schedule, I know soon it's going to get tougher. He's got the Seattle team, but the Seahawks against the Rush this year are 27th. That is not a good look for them. And I think Gurley's a guy you can feel good about rostering in cash games for the rest of the year right now. They look, he looks that integrated into the offense to me. He feels a little bit like Kareem Hunt where it, no matter the price, you must have to pay for him. And I, I agree with you. I almost wonder if that Seahawks matchup will help him in the ownership rate that people might be scared off that look at that Seahawks defense, think of what they used to be and not what they currently are. But you're right. And here's the thing with Todd Gurley. It's not just that he's carrying the ball a ton. That's great. That's fantastic. I'm glad to see it. He is a, an explosive receiver. Like that touchdown yeah. that he's able to turn around and just scamper for 50 plus yards. I had no idea that that was in Todd Gurley. And I was a huge fan of his coming out of college. So this is, this is a whole new world that we're seeing. And I really like the Todd Gurley um, for DFS purposes that we're currently getting, because I don't, I, besides Kareem Hunt, there might not be a better fantasy back at this given time. And I think it's going to be great because the ownership, some people are going to get scared off because they're going to start seeing the schedule that's ahead of them. And some of those defenses are good on paper, but I don't think it matters. I think we're at a point now, like you said, that some guys are just above matchup. And as long as the price doesn't cross, you know, into the 85 range or, you know, up to 9K, if he's going to hover around 7,800 or 8K, that's great. Sign me up, man. Now, Bilal Powell had a big day as well. What a shocker. All of a sudden, 21 carries for Bilal Powell, and he got five targets uh, out of the backfield. And all of a sudden, what happened? A 27-point day for Bilal Powell. And the Jets have the Cleveland Browns next week, Joe. They're looking at a third win, baby. How about that? Okay, so it's shocking to me that it took till week four for the Jets to find out, oh, their best talent is actually their second string running back. Why were we even bothering with this Matt Forte thing? That's that's frustrating to me because we all know that Powell was the better talent. I, I know that there's McGuire kind of hanging in the background, and he was still a, a pretty good play too, given he had a, over 90 rushing yards. But Powell, Powell is clearly their best talent. He might be their best talent on offense just in, in total, whether it be running back, quarterback, receiver, offensive line. I have no idea why we waited this long to start playing him, but if he's going to be continuing to be around that 6000 7000 price tag, sign me up. All right, I want to talk about another guy who had some moments uh, in that Ravens game against the Steelers is Alex Collins. He's just going to be 5700 next week. Uh, I understand a lot of it came off one big play, and I know he has some fumble issues, but in terms of explosiveness, Alex Collins looks like the guy, I mean, just, you know, nine carries, but he had 82 yards because of that big one he broke. And explosive is his name. That's two weeks in a row, by the way, that he's got 80-plus on just nine carries. So if you're talking about a big play GPP tournament option, is Alex Collins going to start to creep into that psyche? Here I was thinking that I was going to be able to sneak Alan Collins away in some season-long leagues. So now the fact that you're bringing it up here in this DFS podcast. I'm sorry, I ruined me, everything. Makes me think that I, I won't be as sneaky as I thought I was. That's that's quite all right. I, I like Collins quite a bit. I liked him when he was with the Seahawks. But we're beginning to see the type of explosive ability that we, knew, we always knew he had. I, I think Collins fits that offense pretty well because there just isn't a big play threat for them currently. I mean, we know what Mike Wallace used to be. Um, we know that the deep ball pass interference play is basically the Ravens' bread and butter at this point. Um, but there, Terrence West isn't the guy, and I think we've kind of seen that. Um, and that injury with Kenneth Dixon, the suspension, really kind of hurt them as a whole. But Alex Collins is flourishing. I'm not. I'm not confident in using him. Uh, week in and week out. But, I mean, that's kind of the point of the question you're asking. So do we want to throw a long shot at a guy that could break off for 50-plus yards on a given carry? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good play, especially when it has good matchups like what the Steelers game was. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you, man. All right, let's talk about Jay Ajayi, another disappointing day for him, just 12 for 46 now. 
Look, I mean, I know a lot of this offensive woes has to do with Cutler, and I'm telling you right now, I'm the Matt, the Matt Moore watch is on for me already, which is the irony of all ironies. They went out and made such a big deal of bringing in Cutler, and he's just a disaster, which it's funny because talk about absence making the heart grow fonder, right? You, you say, oh, well, you know, let's go get Jay Cutler and let's bring him in there. And then you get Jay Cutler and you realize and you watch him play a couple weeks. And if you're the Dolphins, you just have to sit back and go, oh, yeah, right. I remember now. This is Jay Cutler. He doesn't care. He just doesn't care. There's no fire. There's no spark. And I know Jay Ajayi's knees bothering him. And I'm going to hang uh, – let's, let's actually ask the question here. How much of this do you hang on the knee for Jay Ajayi? How much do you hang on Jay Cutler in the offense? Ah, uh, boy. Um, that's What's the percentages? That's a fantastic question. I think that I would put – so I think he's immensely talented. So I'm not going to say that he's not, he's not capable of uh, busting off performances. I think that this scheme with Jay Cutler is, is the bigger issue. So I'll give it more like a, a 70% Dolphins offense with Jay Cutler and 30% the knee injury here. I think that has to play a part. I think that all the travel has to play a part too. I mean, like that was – that was a big deal why I faded almost all the Dolphins players, just simply because they've had to travel so often. But Jay Cutler, we thought I, I thought personally that actually would be a better deal with him because Matt Forte was so successful when Cutler was a bear as a fantasy quarterback, and that has not been the case. And that's mainly because, like we were talking about with Todd Gurley, Ajayi just isn't used very much as a receiver. I think he has the talent to be able to do that, but we haven't seen that from the offense yet. So whereas Todd Gurley is a guy that's catching so many passes, and again, they came in the same draft class, and truthfully, they were probably – same level talent wise, except for that uh, scary knee injury or alleged knee injury with the Jai. We're seeing uh, uh, we're seeing the big difference here. So that, that's where I think it's the receiving thing, and I, I thought there would yeah. be more of that with Cutler having to check down so often. Yeah, you would think so, but he's going to be checking into uh, the best Western pretty soon and uh, off this team. I'm telling you right now, he's not long. All right, let's go to the wide receivers now. None of us were on Antonio Brown, I, I, you know, and thank God because. He was, I mean, his worst game of his career, nine targets, just four for 34. Hey, Ben Roethlisberger on the road, you suck. Um, let's talk about some of the other guys. Odell was kind of disappointing, but on the good side, A.J. Green, who we were very much on in the podcast uh, this week on Monday and on Friday, A.J. Green delivered. That's what we want. It was nice to see Keenan Allen have some points, not as much volume as he usually gets, but him and Ty Williams also good for San Diego as they fall to 0-4 along with the Giants. But, hey, the good news is somebody has to win next week when those two teams play each other. And and I can I can already sense the media packages now about the Phillip Rivers, Eli Manning, yes. drafted yes. and the traded and the 0-4, and here they – oh, God. Yep. It, I mean – just put me to sleep right now. Just, just kill me if I have to hear I think that story one more time. Be a pretty good game if we can survive those TV packages. That I can't survive them, Joe. I'm not <laughs> going to be able to. I can tell you right now, it's not going to happen. Now let's talk about DeAndre Hopkins because we talked about Watkins, uh, um, Deshaun Watson, excuse me, and DeAndre Hopkins. Now, 21 points for him this weekend. 107. He caught 10 of his 12 targets. He is a target monster. I just want to go through the targets so far in the year. 16, 13, 8, and 12. And he's just 7,700 next week. I know it's the Chiefs. I don't care. Give me that target volume, and I'm just going to hope for the best because right now DeAndre Hopkins is back to, I think, the same kind of value he had in 2015 where he was basically a number, true number one elite wide receiver in 1A pricing, almost like a Doug Baldwin kind of thing that happened a couple years ago too. So right now, I think Hopkins is right in that sweet spot. What do you think about Hopkins going forward? I'm a little concerned about Marcus Peters covering him. I think that he's one of the more underrated but still wildly talented cornerbacks in the NFL. That being said, 
what you're what you mentioned is correct at least in cash games and double ups so that's the, the target volume is insane and given how much talent hopkins has and we know how much talent he has and as watson continues to develop and mature that's almost a guaranteed production like if he's if he's seeing 10 to 15 targets per game. Well, I, I expect him to be capitalizing on eight to 10 of those and catches. And then anything he does in the end zone is just gravy to me. So I, I think that he's about as a consistent of players you can get in terms of middle tier kind of higher priced receivers at this point. All right. Let's also talk about Larry Fitzgerald. Hey, I know when it's October 1st, you know how I know because Larry Fitzgerald stops playing football. <laughs> he caught a touchdown. What are you knocking that old man for? He oh, the four for thirty-two. He saved the week. He saved the week barely, but oh my god, he could smell it coming. The leaves fall, and then Larry Fitzgerald disappears, and this is just uh, every year it's the same thing. Yes, he did catch a touchdown, which was nice. Which look, if you take that touchdown away, I, I know it's an if, but still, that is a brutal outing potentially from him uh, on the wide receiver side. Who are you excited to see? Was it? Was it Benjamin and Funchess, guys that we were maybe a week too early on? Uh, who really stuck out for you as uh, eye-opening that you're thinking about carrying over that productivity into next week? Hey, 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 what are you talking about a week too early? I was on Funchess a week. I was on it before he even started doing this. Now, once, once we saw Calvin Benjamin was out, I was all on board in this Funchess thing. So he's by far uh, the most encouraging receiver for me. Maybe a little bit of Randall Cobb, too, dating back to that Thursday game. I think that if Devontae Adams misses time, that's a, that's a big injury for DFS purposes. Uh, I think Cobb will do well. But Devin Funches absolutely is one of the biggest winners for me. And we're finally starting to realize that potential. Um, now the fact that Cam Newton has figured out how to throw two tall receivers or just throw period, we're starting to see some of those numbers peter in the way we're expecting to. Calvin Benjamin was nice. Um, I frankly wasn't even anticipating him playing. So the fact that he's able to get 104 receiving yards is great. But Funches, big deal in my opinion there. All right, let's talk about the tight ends. Um, I talked about this on CBS on Saturday night. Uh, look, it's been years now since the Giants have been able to stop a tight end. And I was telling everybody, if you're not going up to the top of the board for Gronk, then it's Charles Clay and it's Cameron Brait. And it's just it's easy. It's, it's like the easiest week of possible this past week of tight ends. And sure enough, all of them were just fine. Uh, Brait's the easy one to call against the Giants, whoever the Giants are playing. Now, look, next week it's San Diego, so you want to choose Hunter Henry, you want to go that route. You, I mean, you have to figure that out. I don't know. It's a little muddy there. But let's talk about Charles Clay, who basically at this point, you know, we saw the end of the season last year where he was strong with Tyrod Taylor, and now he's put up double-digit points in three of his four weeks. The only one he didn't was at Carolina against a tough defense there. He also had a fumble in that one, which kind of killed his value. So Charles Clay going forward at 5,700, as long as he stays in this range, how is he not going to be the highest ownership tight end? I don't – maybe because of Zach Ertz because he's seeing similar – he's seeing similar amount of targets um, and maybe provides a bit more of that explosiveness because he's in the Eagles offense. And I think a lot of people see the Bills, see Tyrod Taylor, and think, oh, they're not going to be able to pass that much. Um, but that, that's my only reasoning behind it. I think that Charles Clay is about as consistent as you can get for a mid-tier tight end. And I think that's what you're looking for in most lineups when you put them together. Unless, unless you're going that Grant Brady route that you guys recommended on Friday, that's just – that's the easiest play is going for a Clay Ertz type of uh, goal. Or, like you said, whoever's going against the Giants. And I think that actually Antonio Gates or Hunter Henry would be viable next week. I think that Henry is going to probably see still a handful of those red zone targets. But Antonio Gates is still being that consistent 20 to 20 uh, receiver that Philip Rivers looks for. And I think that both are going to have viability next week. Yeah, next week the schedule is uh... – 
is is fascinating. Like I said, you're going to have the spot where the Jets are going to be playing the Browns. You're going to have a spot where the Giants winless are going to host the Chargers who are winless. You have the barn burner that is the 49ers and Colts, which I can't imagine the ratings not being spectacular on that one. You got a great Thursday night game too. Um, unfortunately, the Monday night game Vikings Bears that's going to be. Uh, hey, it's the Mitchell Trubisky show. What are you talking about? Now, do we get the official word? Or, no, or no, you, oh, no. Because okay. I've just been saying it too. I'm going off what every pundit has been saying since uh, Thursday. Think, Mitchell Trubisky has to be coming in. But you know, if you're gonna make the switch, isn't now the and let's 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 talk about this because now it's it's the elephant in the room. Mitch Trubisky's here. Let's let's talk about it. Do you? I mean, don't you subscribe to the idea if you played on Thursday and you have all the way to the following Monday? That gives you a lot of time to prep the young quarterback with a, a good playbook and a good set of plays and a and a good feeling for the amount of practice reps he can get and some extra reps here and there. Isn't this the perfect time to make that switch? This is absolutely the perfect time, and that's why people were bringing it up. But I want to ask, why? Why do we want to put Mitchell Trubisky in there? That offensive line hasn't necessarily been that healthy for the Bears, so we don't want a David Carr situation where he's getting wrecked uh, up and down the field early on. And at the same time, the Bears are going to be bad either way. What's the point of getting more experience for him now? I would like, and I anticipate Trubisky's going to play. I just don't understand why we need to have him in week five of the regular season one, maybe week nine, week 10 is where he would be more apt to come in when he has over, over two months now in the NFL, getting the regimen down, getting to work with whatever is left of his receiving core. To me, it just feels rushed. Well, you know what's what's fascinating though, if you if you talk about you know the Bears so far, you know they they kind of they hung with the Packers for a little while in that game, and then now you've got a spot where no Bradford potentially again for the Vikings, now no Cook. This could be a blood in the water kind of scenario where you could sneak a win here, and all of a sudden, and again, I, I don't believe the Bears are relevant, but you know you can't tell that to the coaching staff, and you can't tell that to the people in the organization, and you can't tell that to the fan base. So just like Carson Wentz got thrown to the flames last year, but he was in week one, I can't imagine why at this point, you know, you've had a couple weeks. If, if you think Trubisky's athleticism is what it is, and I think from what we've seen in preseason with him, that it certainly can, in a way, almost help an offensive line because an offensive line that is a little porous, that might not be able to be given the pocket he needs, Trubisky is available to actually make plays and, and move on the run and do what he has to do, almost like Russell Wilson type, where you know you can hide some of the glaring issues, whereas you can't hide them for the Giants because Eli Manning is a statue. Yeah, so. well, that's that's true. And I will I guess I'll point back to local uh, sports radio here in Wisconsin. They're talking about, does Aaron Rodgers make the offensive line better uh, or is it harder for the offensive line? And a couple, like Mark Tauscher, obviously former right tackle for the Packers, does a lot of the radio broadcast stuff now. He was saying, absolutely, it's harder. It's harder having a mobile quarterback. And I have to imagine that having a mobile quarterback who hasn't done this in the NFL before, where you don't have a lot of time to gel with Trubisky, also has to be difficult. But let's not take it, let's not discount the fact that that Vikings defense is amazing. You're talking about blood in the water. I feel like you're you're feeding Trubisky to the wolves in this situation when we're putting him against a Monday night primetime performance against the Purple People Eaters of 2018. All right, we have a message here from rotopros.com. We're going to step away and take a break, and we'll have more podcasts right after this. Rotopros.com is the most exciting new website in the fantasy industry. It's a site built by DFS players for DFS players, a group of professional daily fantasy sports players built Rotopros to be a place that contains all the information they use to build winning lineups with everything from articles, projections, optimizers, podcasts, and player picks. And they have everything you need to learn how to become a profitable player. 
Ever wonder how the pros do it? Well, Roto Pros has a chat room with 24-7 access where you can talk to full-time DFS players about strategies and lineups. This is more than just information service. It's a community, and they want you to be a part of the team. So sign up at rotopros.com to turn your fantasy into reality. And we are very lucky today because we are joined by one of those members of the community. In fact, the director of content here, Greg Ehrenberg. Greg, welcome to the program. How are you? Thanks for having me on, Joe, and thanks for saying you're lucky to have me. That's that's very exciting for me. Lucky. Uh, so- well, you know, I, I always want to make everybody comfortable here, but it's true because I love the idea of a DFS community uh, of people who are playing together, and, you know, that's the kind of style that Rotopros is trying to bring here, and, you know, uh, for you, you know, you give me an idea too. How did you get started with Rotopros, and how did you end up being director of content there? So a lot of it was just uh, Twitter stuff. I, also, I write for DraftKings and Basketball Monster and uh, Nick Colley and Josh Kronfeld, who started the website. They were kind of interested in my work. They read some of it and wanted to take a meeting with me. We talked about it. We got into talking DFS and we just really hit it off. And we kind of had this idea where we wanted to build a website where it was all the stuff that we use to make our own DFS lineup. So anything from projections to content, really anything that we want to see as opposed to having to get it from different websites, we're trying to build a place where all is at one spot. So the idea is ultimately nobody will have to go to another website. It'll just be any stat you ever want, any sort of content, anything like that is going to be all in one place and all encompassing. So you don't have to go to fan graphs. You don't have to go to uh, projections. I just, everything will be in one place. And then also we're trying to take our customers recommendations and ideas. So if somebody's like, Hey, I would like to see this on the website. Since it's kind of our own thing, we just go, hey, that's a good idea. We're going to add that. So that's kind of our goal, and that's what the idea is, to have a DFS site created by DFS players for DFS players. Now, you guys also offer premium services as well. Can you get into that a little bit and tell us what the difference is between the the free stuff as opposed to the premium tools? Yeah, so a lot of the free stuff is just going to kind of be just basic articles that are posted on the website. We have like a base optimizer Whereas then the premium stuff is kind of more being able to optimize the uh, uh, optimize the optimizer. I'm trying to think the right word to say it, Uh, but just put like different settings. So in terms of exposure to players, uh, certain stacks, so ways that you could edit it to the way you want your lineups to be built. And then other stuff also, we have a Slack chat, which is where all the people who work for us that are also professional DFS players, we have a chat where people could talk with us and DM and say like, hey, what are your guys' strategies for this week? What do you think of this player? And just really engaging where we could be hands-on with our customers and really talk them through, you know, what our strategies are for the week and give out advice and kind of why we're thinking that way. So the idea is not just to say, hey, play this guy, but also here's why we're playing this guy. This is why this guy's a good play. So we kind of have a back and forth and teach people how to play at the same time as well. Well, it seems a little bit more like give a man a fish instead of give a man a lineup, right? Is that what you're trying to, you know, teach them how to fish instead of basically saying, you know, here's a lineup to go play this, understanding the process behind it, which I think is uh, refreshing compared to some other DFS sites. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the idea is to not only be able to just say this is the play, but this is why. And then also that leads to good conversations because then once people become a little more knowledgeable, they could say, well, why didn't you think of this player? What do you think of this player? And then you kind of could get ideas from people that way also where you could teach people to really become legitimately good players. And then I always think that makes me better to be able to have a more educated conversation with somebody. 
Excellent. All right, let's get to some of the uh, the news and notes. Actually, we'll hit a couple of the injuries too from this week. Uh, let's start with the running back position. Let's start obviously with Dalvin Cook. There's fear about the ACL. I know he's scheduled for an MRI. I'm calling this MRI Monday today because <laughs> it seems like half the NFL is having an MRI. Hell, you know, I don't know what you're doing later this afternoon, but if you want to go get one with me, we can go. It'll be great. Um, but let's start with Cook, who was very heavily owned this past weekend a guy that's been, you know, I must say under the radar, but, you know, in terms of the big guys at the top of the board, the Bells, the Elliots, all those guys, Cook's been a guy that's giving you that mid-range price, but also RB1 value, at least low RB1 sometimes with high upside. Another time, it's a huge blow to a team that's already lost their quarterback. So how do you see this going forward? Because, you know, when you lose Cook, it's not like, I don't think Latavius Murray's the guy that just steps in that role. My guess is it becomes some kind of weird committee. So when you're down another running back with Cook, you know, what do you do here? Do you just now start to look where you lose Cook, you lose Carson? Do you put more of an investment as we go on in the next couple of weeks to those premium running backs, or does that cause you to fade that middle group a little bit more and go all the way down further? Yeah, well, one thing about Cook was, I mean, he was playing a ton of volume. Like, right. there really was, it, he was one of those situations where, like, almost the David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell type role he was growing into, where he was getting all the touches in the backfield. And it does look like right now that the feeling is that he's going to be done for the year. Uh, I will clear my schedule so we can get those MRIs taken. Excellent. Good. We'll do lunch after. It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> so, so here's the deal. After he got hurt uh, yesterday, Jarek McKinnon and Latavius Murray both played some snaps. Murray did get more of the volume, though. He had seven, catches, he had seven carries and two catches. Jarek McKinnon had two carries for no yards, also dropped a pass, and then banged up his ankle a little bit and came out of the game. So I'm not sure he's going to be 100% healthy for next week. So at least for this one game, Latavius Murray priced at 6000 I think that the plan is going to be to have him as kind of the first and second down running back and then McKinnon be the third down running back. But given that the Vikings have a very favorable matchup against the Bears, I think this is a game where we could really see them get ahead and be burning the clock late. And if that's the case, I think we could really see them just pound the ball to Latavius Murray to burn out the clock. So I think him at 6000 on FanDuel makes for a pretty sensible value play. All right, let's talk about the quarterbacks, Greg, for a second here. Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota, both of them injured, ironically, the same day, <laughs> the second year in a row. I don't know, maybe those guys, maybe have they have lunch and MRI plans as well this afternoon besides. Maybe we'll run into them there. Who knows? Uh, but uh, let's talk about Mariota for a second. The hamstring that we see there is, uh, is a concern for sure. And – Whenever you're dealing with hamstring injuries, there's something you could re-injure, something to be very careful about. And I guess my question to you is this. When we have this hamstring injury, and let's say Mariota does miss time, how does that affect to you in your mind, not just the, you know, the wide receivers, but the offense as a whole? Yeah, well, as a whole, I think it's just a big downgrade to everybody. Because we saw once Mariota came out, Castle came in through 10 passes, two of them got picked off. So completed six passes and two of them were to the defense. So that's not really a great situation. I think that's going to make it so that we're going to have to avoid this entire Titans offense going forward if Mariota's out. And then also we consider the backfield situation is also kind of a mess from a fantasy perspective where we're seeing a real split carries, split snaps between Henry and Murray. So it's going to be really tough to figure out where the limited production is even coming from. But from a DFS standpoint for next week, I think we have to look at the Dolphins' defense as the cheapest one on the FanDuel slate at 4100 they They've been terrible this year. The Dolphins are arguably the worst team in the NFL. But with that said, 
the Titans without Mariota, that's a bad offense. And the Dolphins do have a strength to their defense. They're by football, by football outsiders DVOA, they're ranked dead last in pass defense this year, but they're actually ranked second in rush defense. So if we assume that they are able to stop the run this year and they're just, just god-awful against the pass, but Matt Castle can't throw the ball, I think that sets up as a fairly good situation I think would go overlooked by them. And then something else that benefits us from a DFS standpoint is that running backs correlate very well with defenses. So Jay Ajayi is still probably one of the better running backs in the NFL, but his issue with production the last couple weeks has not been that he's been bad. It's just that there hasn't been enough value. uh, There hasn't been enough volume for him because the Dolphins have been down by so much. They've had to throw the ball to get back into games. Look at week one, Jay rushed for 122 yards, but only has 23 carries combined the last two weeks. So if this is a situation where Mariota's out, Castle's in, the Dolphins' defense is kind of able to have their way a little bit, I think we, we could see another situation where Jay Ajayi at 7,300, the cheapest FanDuel price he's had this year, gets a lot more touches and has another 100-plus yard rushing game. All right, let's go to Carr a second, too, dealing with them back issues, which is never a good thing. That's for sure. That's not what you want. And, you know, the last thing the Oakland Raiders can afford is to downgrade from Derek Carr to EJ Manuel. I think we've seen enough of him over the years to understand exactly what he is. And, look, this is a, is a big problem because this was an offense that didn't have Crabtree this Sunday. Uh, well, I still look at Amari Cooper as a very hit-or-miss guy. He's a tournament guy. That's what he is. Maybe you get the big game out of him, but most of the time it's inconsistency week in, week out. We always have trouble with drops. That seems to continue to plague him even in year three now of his NFL career. And, you know, overall now this Oakland offense, when we start to look at them – the defense isn't doing them any favors either, you know, keeping them on the field more than they probably should be. So let's let's talk about this here. The Oakland offense, downgrading Lynch, downgrading Amari Cooper. How much risk do you build into an injury like this with Carr where it might be a chronic thing, it might be a thing that bothers him all year? Is that something where you might just tend to stay away from Oakland altogether, even if the matchup is tempting because you just don't know when he might come out of another game? Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's definitely an issue. He seems to be a little bit of an injury concern. This week is definitely going to be a stay away for the Raiders offense. Uh, even if Derek Carr and Crabtree both play, it's probably safe to assume that neither of them are going to be 100%. And Amari Cooper, I just don't know what's happened to him because two years ago he had a massive issue with drops. Then last year he kind of seemed to correct it a little bit. The reports were that he came into really good shape coming into the season, which is a little ridiculous because every single offseason, that's what we hear about everybody, is everybody's in the best shape of their life. But for Amari Cooper to just totally be unable to catch football, now seven drops for the first four games of the season, he was somebody who I was pretty bullish on coming into the season and for whatever reason is just totally falling off the map. So if it's going to be EJ Manuel starting quarterback or less than 100% Derek Carr, the Raiders offense just to stay away from me right now. The Ravens 4,500 on FanDuel. They were actually the top-ranked defense by football outsiders coming into week four. They had an okay game against the Steelers. They weren't great, but that's a tough matchup. But I think them, they still have an elite defense. And going up against a less than 100% Raiders offense, I think that's another good defense play. Yeah, I agree with you. Look, they did a good job of containing Antonio Brown, that's for sure. And Roethlisberger on the road is no good. But at the same time, there's another offense that's just letting the defense down. I mean, you know, if you can't – if you're three and out every time and how good your defense is, eventually they wear down. And that's just a part of – Part of life in the NFL. All right, you can go get all the information over at rotopros.com. Check out all the work from Greg Ehrenberg and his team over there. It seems like they're really creating something different, something unique, something that's a community 
again, it's like mentored by these pros who are going to help you not just give you lineups, not just give you names. Cause I hate that as much as the next person in this business. I want to make this a community. I want to make this a place where we all work together and you understand the process because the process is part of the fun. Greg, where can they find you on social media? Yeah, everybody can come follow me at G Ehrenberg DFS. I also have my own uh, podcast I do called the foul balls podcast. We're going to be covering pretty much every sport I do. Uh, baseball, basketball, football. And then I have some other people who are also doing like a hockey podcast and a soccer podcast under the same handle. So we have anything you want there. So even if you don't like me and don't want to listen, at least go subscribe. So I get credit for the extra download. (laughs) There you go. Greg Ehrenberg, everybody. Thanks so much uh, for your time, Greg. And we'll be right back right after this. Thanks, Joe. All right, welcome back to Joe and Joe right here. We're going to turn the page from week four to week five. We already started doing that, but let's talk a little bit about Monday, Thursday slate. Uh, Last week, uh, we gave out a pretty good cash game situations there uh, for Monday, Thursday. And if you don't play Monday, Thursday, I highly recommend if, you know, you had a couple lines that bottomed out, small shares and cash games on Monday, Thursday, if you do it right, are very plentiful. I learned this trick a couple years ago from uh, some of the higher-ups in the industry who told me, like, well, you know, if Sunday's bad, go, go look at Monday, Thursday, because there's really sometimes it's much easier than you think. People try to get cute, and you can make uh, some pretty good investments in cash games and actually come away pretty well here. Uh, let's start with this. We've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the Patriots. We've got the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Washington Redskins. Um, now, Brady obviously is going to be super expensive at 9500 but – as tempting as he is, I'm going to go on the other side of this game. And of all four quarterbacks, even in cash game, I think I prefer Winston because I don't see how this Patriots defense on the short week now is going to fix all the problems because it's not just personnel issues they're having. They're having just straight up communication issues. And I don't think that's something you can fix in a short week where you travel. This is shocking to me that of the four quarterbacks available for the Monday-Thursday slate, Winston is the lowest at 7,300. I, I agree with you. I'm all on board with that. If I if Winston was 8,300, I still would have went, went with him. So the fact that we get him $1,000 cheaper, he, again, the, the lowest quarterback on this slate, stunning to me. I think he has to be, has to be the guy you play. All right, let's go over to the running back scenario. Oh, actually, you know what? Before I even move on, is Winston the same guy you want in cash and tournament, or would you take a different approach in tournament potentially? I think that you could maybe go Tom Brady in tournament thinking that you can get maybe a – Like a huge, crazy back. day, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and because they're going to have to – I think that's going to be a shootout, and you would probably know better than me because you're the fan of the Patriots. You'd, you'd be able to put that together, but I think it's going to be a shootout. So if you wanted to go kind of contrarian, I almost think that Tom Brady at 9,500 – would scare some people off, and he's just so darn consistent that I, I don't think it matters. Um, but I, Jameis Winston, to me, is, is the automatic play um, All right. in every Kareem, situation. Kareem Hunt, probably the automatic play, too, at running back at 89, I think, in, across the board, because <clears throat> running back is tricky here. Now, you got Gillisley at 6K, which, if you're taking a look at him, there's a spot where you know it's very touchdown dependent. Um, you know, the other, the other positive, too, on the Brady side is – Tampa has been banged up, especially on the secondary too. So that doesn't bode well. And I think you're right. This is going to be a kind of shootout game. And, you know, sometimes we've thought some of these things that haven't materialized. I would be very surprised if there weren't, you know, if it wasn't 50 plus points put up in this one easily, uh, maybe even 60 when all said and done. Uh, you got Chris Thompson in this one who's been very steady. <clears throat> now, FanDuel scoring is a half PPR, so you have to keep that in mind. 
But as you continue to go down here, you know, we got James White, we got P. Ryan, we got Jacquees Rogers. If Hunt is our slam dunk running back, where do you go at number two? You try to get the touchdowns with Gillisley, you hope for the best. Do you try to go with maybe some of the catches of James White? I think it's kind of uh, – Chris Thompson, to me, I think is the next most appealing guy, to be honest, although I can understand the – making the case for Jacquees Rogers, but which case are you going to take? Yeah, that was the one. I've been banging the drum for Chris Thompson for some time now, even at the beginning of the regular season. Um, I thought he was a guy that will find some some uh, usage in that offense, and and truthfully, he's done way better than I've expected. Uh, I think it's Kareem Hunt, and then it has to be Chris Thompson. Maybe you go Doug Martin. This, I think, is his first game back from suspension, so if you think that he's got some crazy performance in him, like uh, whatever made him famous three years ago, um, I, I, I think that that's maybe a route given he's only $400 more than Thompson, but I, Thompson's the route for me. That's it's Kareem Hunt and Thompson at this point. And I don't think, I don't know if you could really talk me into anything else. <laughs> well, I could definitely talk you into Mike Evans at 79 and that's the pairing with Winston. I think he's a lock for a touchdown. It's just, you know, Mike Evans doesn't get enough credit, you know, kind of like Deandre Hopkins. When you, when you get past those very super elite big name guys, the Beckhams, the Browns. Give me Mike Evans. Give me Hopkins. Give me those kind of guys in DFS because they can have the same kind of day and save me about five to a thousand dollars every week. Uh, outside of them, you got Cooks in this game. You got Tyreek Hill. You've got uh, Chris Hogan on the board here. Deshaun Jackson is maybe a tournament play. And then you got these lesser guys where you could see a Dachshund having another one-off. You could certainly see uh, a Danny Amendola having himself a one-off too. Let's talk about Amendola for a second here because the Bucks are going to struggle in, in pass defense uh, in terms of target volume so far in the two games where he was completely healthy. He had seven targets in both of those games. So the volume is there. Is that enough of 5,900 to get you interested in Amendola? I think so. I think it would, especially if I want the contrarian route and had uh, Brady as my quarterback, you obviously want to try to pay down somewhere. Amendola might be there. I've never been a huge Chris Hogan fan, so if you wanted to get one of those Patriots receivers in there, I think Amendola would be the one that I would choose over Chris Hogan, despite the fact that he has been pretty touchdown uh, savvy, at least early in the season. But uh, let's look at Terrell Pryor. I mean, it's 6,800. Coming into the year, he was uh, one of the upper echelon tight ends, especially in that Washington Redskins offense. I think, and maybe I'm wrong here, we'll find out. Um, I think that that Redskins offense has figured out what they want to be. I think that they, they've kind of corrected some of their faults they had after that Raiders performance, um, or I'm sorry, because of that Raiders performance, they've corrected it. I think that 6,800, I'm liking him quite a bit along with Mike Evans at 7,900. There's two, two Fanduel receivers I really think we should target. All right, let's talk about tight end. Obviously, Gronk is Gronk. We all know uh, the joy that is Rob Gronkowski. Uh, no touchdown last week, though. Unfortunately, his 10 did not become a 16. That's what we want to see. But before that, he had back-to-back 18-plus point games. Let's talk about Travis Kelsey, though, because there's a guy that I know season-long owners are cursing and throwing things at televisions watching him play because he's had the 20-point day against Philadelphia two weeks ago, and then last week, just one catch for one yard on one target. Now, I have to imagine that's going to turn around. I have to imagine that they are going to make sure that one target for Travis Kelsey does not happen again, and I think that's enough for me to fade Gronk for $1,000 and spread some cash around. Yeah, and I'll give you this. If Jordan Reed does end up missing this game, and I don't think that's really on the docket right now. I think we're expecting Reed to play. He's questionable with the rib injury as of now. If he does miss time, Vernon Davis at 5,100 becomes an automatic play for me. Automatic. Automatic. 100%. Yeah, and I don't, again, I don't think that happens, but just in the offside, 
or off chance it does, have to play Vernon Davis. And this discussion about Travis Kelsey or Gronk um, becomes moot because Davis is, is a clear target for that Redskins offense when he's on the field and almost to an expri- a surprising extent, truthfully. Now, I know O.J. Howard got into the dance last week with the uh, New York Giants, but I don't want to take too much into that quite yet. Cameron Brait's still the guy that I'm looking for. Brait has back-to-back touchdowns, so there's another guy, too. If tournament play, maybe Brait's a guy that uh, if Vernon Davis isn't playing that you want to keep fading and not paying for tight end. Well, I think all four of the tight – this is a weird situation. If Reed is playing, or even if Reed is not playing, I don't know how many times we can look at a Monday-Thursday slate and say, yes, all four of these tight ends are rosterable and you can make a case for all four of them. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen all year. No, no. I, I mean, this goes back to what we were saying even last uh, last podcast one. None of the tight ends felt uh, viable, and that ended up being that the, the 49ers-Rams game was pretty good for fantasy purposes. But you're right. I think that it's we're, we're kind of blessed with some decent fantasy matchups for both this Monday night game and Thursday night game. So it's going to be an interesting way to put together your lines. One of these guys is going to go off. Um, it's just a matter of guessing which one it is, truthfully. All right, over 2.5 million players have won cash prizes playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RotoWire, and you'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RotoWire, void where prohibited. All right, week four is in the books. Week five is ahead of us. I want to thank uh, Joe Bartell, as always, for his time. You can follow him on Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports. You can follow me at Joe Pizapia17. For everybody here at RotoWire, have a great week of Daily Fantasy.